It's good to be back. It's good to be back here at LIAC. My name's Ray Vijegas. Uh, this is my family, Sarah, Jaden, and Ruel. And uh, today we're excited to be here because God has brought us here to be a witness to you guys today, to be a witness of his great, great love. To get started, I'm going to push you guys into your stretch zone because I'm going to ask you to do something. Now, will you guys cooperate with me? Awesome. So what I would like for you to do is I would like you to get into a group of three to five people, no more than five, no less than three. And I want you to take a few minutes to introduce yourselves and to share with each other a high and a low from this past week. You're going to share a high, meaning something good that happened to you, and a low, maybe something not so good that happened to you, like when so-and-so cut you off on the highway, or whatever it may be. But I want to give you an opportunity to just mingle for a few minutes. So get into groups, three to five. Each introduce yourself. Hi, my name is so-and-so. A high for me this week has been this. A low for me this week has been this. Hey, it's up to you on how deep you want to go with that, okay? You just do you, but let's do this for the next few minutes, and then we'll start our message together. Go for it. Well, like I said, I am here this morning gratefully to be a witness to you guys. We are about to enter into a new week of our lives, and God loves you so much that he wants you to go into this week filled up. He wants you to go into this week encouraged. He wants you to go into this week equipped. And God has been speaking to me in such a beautiful way, in such a profound way. And he has laid on my heart to, to develop a series about his love um, titled Love Wins. Love wins in the sense of God cannot lose. God is love. And so this morning, over the next few minutes, I want, to, I want to share with you the way God is at work in New York City. But I want to go into his word, and I want to look into the most profound, most powerful, most important truth about the Lord that we need to be reminded of because life is life. Life is challenging. And if you want to win, we have to understand how important God's love, God's perfect love is. So let's look to the word. If you have your Bibles, we read this verse, but I want to go through the verse again. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to give some context, and I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray. And then I have a video to share with you, and then I'm going to help expound God's word. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. And so, we know and rely, key word there is rely, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. 
Think about that for a minute. Imagine God living in you. The almighty, all-powerful creator of heavens and the earth living in you. In this way, love is made complete among us. There's a process of love working in our lives. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. How many of you have ever been afraid in your life? Raise your hand. There you go. He's afraid he's going to school tomorrow. We have all experienced fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I want to be made perfect in love. I hope you want to be made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. She is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, there is no one like you. Your word reminds us this afternoon that you're not just loving. You are love. You are love. All of love is, is you, Lord. All the facets of love, all of the, the, the power of love, it's you. It's you. And that we can have you dwelling in us and that Lord through you through your perfect love the fears that we face can be driven out oh God I pray this morning I pray that you would speak to our hearts that you would open up our spiritual eyes from the youngest to the oldest person here that we would understand anew how powerful is your perfect love in Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I was just a young, young, young teenager, God loved me. Before I, I, I cared about God, he sought me, he pursued me, he found me, he rescued me, he transformed me, and he began this, this process of perfecting love in my life because I didn't know how to really love. I mean, I learned some things from a very dysfunctional mom and family, but I had no idea how to love. And so he loved me. He sent someone to tell me about some guy named Jesus who loved me, and that began this, this journey, this adventure, this process of understanding how valuable I am because of a God who loves me. Let me just catch you up on what's been going on in our lives before we get into the word. I want to share a video with you. And then, like I said, we're going to look into the scripture. I have some exciting, powerful truths to share with you. Save questions for the end, okay? We'll do a Q&A just for you.
we have been serving with Youth for Christ for 15 years. 10 of those years we spent developing a work in Schenectady, New York, in the Capital District. We raised over $700,000 towards the mission of communicating God's love to kids. Over 10,000 kids we shared the gospel with, created a facility where kids are still being ministered to today. It's a beautiful thing. He brought us to New York City with Youth for Christ in 2013 to begin a work in East Harlem. We did that for three years. And then the Lord had us change our mission context. We started working for another organization called the Boys and Girls Club where God brought us to the Bronx. And for a year, I got to, to minister to 300 young people from the ages of five up until mid-twenties. I raised up a young woman by the name of Jackie who still works there, a Christian who graduated from Nyack College. Shout out to Nyack College, right Jacob? Yes. A youth and family studies major who is planted in the Bronx, being light, being salt. But the Lord, see my passion on our vision and our calling is to spread his fame in all five boroughs. And so now we've begun the journey of serving with another organization called Young Life. And guess what Young Life's vision for New York City is? It's to introduce young people to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith in all five boroughs. All five boroughs. How exciting is that? And so I want to share just a quick video because I think words are good, but a video with audio, it gives you a really good uh, taste of what Young Life is about. So watch this video. I think that kids in New York City have to grow up a lot quicker than in other parts of the country. They're amazing, intelligent, wonderful kids that just have a hard life, a very hard life. And they don't really care what you know or who you know as much as they care about you caring about them. And that if you make a commitment to be a part of their life, you're going to be there for the long haul. Young Life has a long history with kids. We've been working with kids for over 70 years. We have ministry in all 50 states and another 90 countries. We get to bring the skills and resources that we've learned and that we've been trained in to care about kids specifically in New York City. The vision of Young Life is that every kid will have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. We're working with middle school kids, high school kids, college students, kids with special needs, teen moms, immigrants. And especially those kids that are the furthest away, those kids that just don't associate themselves with anything. The real hallmark of what makes us who we are is the fact that we're not waiting for people to come to us. We're going to kids wherever they might be. Kids are in Dunkin' Donuts, they're in restaurants, they're in sliced pizza places. I especially love being on the train and where people are moving away from them or being scared because they may be boisterous or rambunctious. I'm able to say, hey, what's up? What's going on? And just have conversations. Most of our staff are from this area, have grown up in this area, and this is home for them. There's no substitute for living next door to the kids that you're talking about the gospel with. So when their water is running cold, my water's running cold too. 
when they can't dig themselves out because the snow is bound. I'm stuck too, so we make cocoa together. I'm doing life with them. And they get to see how I respond with Jesus in every circumstance. You know, a lot of the times kids will be like, oh, my mom only speaks Spanish. And I'll be like, está bien, yo hablo español. You know, let's do it. They need to know somebody sees them, somebody knows them, somebody believes in them. And I'm, I'm trying to be that person, and I'm trying to raise up a team of people who will be those people. Our goal for a young life in New York City is that we would be in all 59 community districts. So that will eventually be 100, 120 staff that are developing these areas. A big part of our plan for growth is Young Life College. Young Life College for us is incredibly strategic, not just in terms of discipleship, but really introducing them to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in their faith. We believe if we do it right, we can change the face of what Young Life looks like in this city. There's 650,000 college students that live and go to school in New York City. So if we can get a small percentage of those as volunteers, it will be explosive. And those schools are all over the city. When we talk about this dream, it's already started. In a three-year window, we added four to five new community districts each year. It's momentum. It's, it's a ball that's rolling, and it's just get out of the way kind of thing, because it is really picking up speed. We have the tools, we have training, we have a team of people that have been praying for us. It is an exciting time to join us, it really is, because God is up to something huge. We need people to come alongside us as volunteer leaders. We need people who will be generous with what God has given them. We need people that will invest in the life of a young person, that would call them friend, that would walk alongside them. And we need people who don't necessarily live in New York City. We need whosoever will, let them come. Let them come pray. Let them come get involved. Let them lend their resources and their expertise. We need people who are called by God to get involved with what the Lord is clearly doing here. When my wife and I moved to New York City, I wanted to be a part of the movement of the gospel. I wanted to be a part of something significant, something big. When I heard the vision of Young Life, I knew that this is where I needed to be. The strategy here is rock solid. The staff that's here are unbelievable. The theme is definitely growth. We can't get to the next place fast enough. Thousands and thousands of kids are going to know Jesus and their lives are going to be changed forever because of what we're doing today. When I think about just the time that I've spent the past couple years in Young Life and how we've grown tremendously from 11 ministries to well over 30 and upwards and growing daily, I feel like the sky is the limit. They say about That's enough. I don't want to let you see all of it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to check it out, visit our website at younglifein.nyc. But check this out, lights please. God is so brilliant, right? Guess where I grew up most of my childhood? In Queens. Jackson Heights, 85th Street, between Roosevelt and 37th Avenue. In fact, my mom still lives in the apartment I grew up in. Young Life has asked me to be the Associate Regional Director overseeing the borough of Queens. Right now, we have ministry in one of 14 community districts, and part of my job will be to build up and raise up a team of leaders who will establish ministry in the other 13. Because God loves kids. 
kids in Queens, kids throughout New York City. And so I just want to invite LIAC to be a part of this exciting journey. Now, here we are today in Dix Hills, Long Island, and God has a message for you. He has a message for me, and the message is, I love you. I love you with a perfect love. So all of my Clay youth group people, get ready, because at the end, I'm going to call on you to do something for me. I'm just giving you a plug now. Prepare yourselves. Don't, don't leave like 10 minutes before the end of the message, because I'm going to call on you to help me with something, something that I taught you today. Yes. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me with a perfect love, as we see in 1 John. Now, let me tell you something about John. See, I love being a Christian because being a Christian, God adopts us into a family with people. People like you, people like me, people like And we have different personalities, right? This guy, John, I know for a fact that John, our brother John, was a competitive person. And I, I like competitive people. I'm a competitive person. I know that John was competitive because of some of the things that he wrote about. For example, in the book of John, chapter 20, he says this. Listen to how slick he is. He says, early, this is talking about after Jesus resurrected. He says this, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, he's talking about himself, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, right? And, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and beat him there. I mean, come on, this guy is competitive. Now, why I appreciate that about John is because you got to imagine a, a type A competitive person, if you think about how they view their lives, they want to communicate the most important, best truth that they can communicate because they want, they want to achieve, in fact, you know, I just remember, didn't John and his brother James have the audacity to ask Jesus if they could sit on his right hand and on his left hand when they went? In? I mean, this guy was competitive. And if you look at the things that John wrote about, if you look at the topic, the subject that was most important to John, it was this idea of God's love. Throughout the book of John, we have that famous verse, for God so loved the world. Throughout his letters, he focuses on God's love, God's perfect love. And that's important to us because Jesus said the greatest command is that we love the Lord our God with everything and that we love our neighbors as ourselves. The greatest. I mean, that's pretty important. There's no ambiguity about how important love is. But you know something? I'm 40 years old. I have been walking with Jesus since I was about 
15, 16. And I will tell you, love is so much more than just a feeling. Love is tough. Love is powerful. Love is heavy. Love is deep. And if we don't understand how important God's love is, if we don't understand how God shows his love, if we lose confidence in God's love, when we encounter challenges in our lives, when we encounter tragedy at different levels, I just found out last week that my 10-year-old nephew has a tumor in his brain. 10 years old. Tomorrow they're going to open up his head and they're going to go into his brain and take a biopsy of this tumor. Can you imagine how scary that is for his parents? For him himself, his name is Anselm. That's a scary thing. And when something like that happens in your life, even if you're a Christian, you're going to ask yourself, does God care about me? Does he love me? Will he answer my prayers? And when you face those, those times of great uncertainty, you will question God's love. But it, it, it doesn't even have to be that. You can be a high school student applying for colleges and you have your top choice, your second, your third, and you get that letter back that says you were not accepted. That's heavy. That's difficult too. And so these challenges come throughout our lives, throughout the different ages and stages of our development. And these challenges will have us question, if God really loves me, why is this happening? Let me go on. It could be a work situation. You could, you could have a, a boss that is so difficult, a coworker that is vindictive and manipulative. You can be lied about. Your job could be put in jeopardy. You could be laid off. You could be given an ultimatum. That's a challenging situation. It could be finances. It can be health. There are so many ways that in this life we encounter difficulty and we question, does God love us? Well, today, God wants you to be reminded that he loves you. And I want to take us to a few scripture that demonstrates how powerful this love is. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Deuteronomy chapter 4. See, for me... I have a confession to make. I've wrestled with something about God for a long time. And he's showing me, he's giving me understanding of himself. For a long time, I've always wrestled with, I wonder how God feels about me today. Is he like feeling like the God of the Old Testament today towards me? Or is he feeling like the God of the gospel where he's just full of grace and, and love and is quick to forgive? Because in the Old Testament, we see some things that happen that God ordained to happen that are pretty like crazy. But I want us to look at Deuteronomy 4 because it shows God interacting with his people. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32 
He's speaking to his people and he's through Moses and he says, Ask now about the former days, long before your time. From the day God created man on earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this ever happened or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. We will go through things in life. You may be going through something in your life right now, and if you're not, you will encounter something in the future that will have you question, is this Christianity thing really real? Am I believing something that I just kind of agreed to, that's kind of made up? And the answer is no. God is very real. And as we see in the Old Testament, he's telling his people, he's, he's, he's asking them to consider how much he has done for them to demonstrate his love. Think about it, how he, he rescued them from, from Egypt with the plagues. You know, back then, they viewed gods as being territorial, like there was a god who kind of oversaw crops, and there was a god for this and a god for that, and God demonstrated that he's beyond geography, that he is the only god, that he oversees everything, that he has sovereignty and power over all things, and he's telling his people, look what I have done for you. I'll separate seas for you. I'll defeat mighty armies for you. I will speak to you from a mountain in an awesome, awesome way. Because I have chosen you to be my people. That's the God we see in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, there are so many stories of God showcasing his love, his, his deep, perfect love for humanity. And, and it's messy. It's really messy. It's not this clean, sanitized, you know, perfect, romantic love. There, there are people whom God loves who reject God and he still pursues them. There are sons and daughters that God raises up to be leaders who fail but God still loves them, restores them. It's very messy. But you know what? God shows how great his love is. And then God does something that's even crazier. Okay, the mountain was cool, the, the parting of the seas, the 12 plagues. He does something that's on a whole nother level to show you and me how serious he is about love. You see, the gods back in the day they weren't very close gods. They weren't the kind of gods that you had relationship with. They were, they were viewed as deities that you had to appease, you had to be afraid of. And God was showing in the Old Testament this rich, affectionate, passionate love towards his people. But then God does something that is just on a whole nother level. It says in, first, it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. 
And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. A whole new level that God was going to demonstrate his love for you and me in that he would become human flesh. He would walk this earth with us. He would smell the smells we smell. He would interact with broken people. He would deal with with the things that we have to deal with in life like rejection, like hypocrisy, like injustice, like greed, like pride. He He would... he would encounter these things and he would, he would understand what we go through. But not only that, he would come to live the way that we ought to live perfectly and then experience the most awful, horrific, painful betrayal of humanity against him. Can you imagine? He did all of this to demonstrate how perfect his love is. Can you imagine being on a cross, suffering all that he had suffered, and looking at people mock him? Can you imagine how easily he could have destroyed those people? But God's love is so perfect that even when we fail him, he loves us. His love is holy. You know, for a long time I thought holiness is like, it's so like, it's like kind of like going to a hospital and you smell that disinfectant smell. It's like, it's sterile. It's like, it's, it's not something that's warm and inviting. But I am understanding anew that God's holiness, he is so set apart that his version of love is so concentrated and powerful and perfect that it it's intoxicating when you can understand how deep his love is for you and for me and when you can experience that kind of love it can drive out fear it will drive out those things that terrorize us because in God we find a perfect love that manifests itself in so many beautiful, profound ways that we know nothing can separate us from God's love, that we know while we were sinners, Christ died for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us everything that we need? We can experience a love that is so deep and vast that no matter what our failures in life are, no matter what our challenges are, we know that we have an all-powerful God who is unselfish, who is loyal, and who has a benevolent concern for our ultimate good. And with that love, we can slay giants. With that love, we can push through the difficulties. With that love, we can love our enemies. We can overcome that coworker that just, man, you just dislike so much. That person who betrayed you and hurt you so deeply. With his love, we can, over, we can overcome those tragedies. We can overcome the loss of a loved one. We can overcome the different challenges we face because we know 
And we have tasted of a love that is so beyond just a romantic, affectionate, feeling kind of love. It's a love that is deeply committed. It is a love that has different facets. It has texture. And it is bigger than we can ever imagine. Tim Keller says that we are, this is a paraphrase, we are more wicked than we ever dare think, but in Christ we are more loved than we ever dare hope. So here we are today, we're getting ready for the week, and I don't know what your highs and lows have been. I don't know what your, your lows are right now, but I do know this. I do know that God loves you with a fierce love. Now, let me just share something. There's a fallen part of us. We have a fallen nature. And when we're going through things, our nature will default into certain thinking patterns. For example, you're praying about a situation that you need God to intervene and he doesn't answer your prayer in the time frame that you want, in the way that you want. And I know for me, I begin to question, God, I thought you loved me. And the answer is he does love us. The problem is that there are times where we think that what our plan is, is the best plan. And we have more faith in what our vision for what our future should look like, how that enemy of ours should be avenged. We have a vision for that, but it's not God's vision. We have a vision for how this prayer should be answered or in this time frame. And it's not, it's not God's because God, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than, his, than our thoughts. And that's why we have a verse in Proverbs 3 that says what? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. God is trustworthy. You know, things will fail us in life. Social media will fail us in life. Achievements will fail us in life. Relationships will fail us in life. Alcohol will fail us in life. Addictions will fail us in life. Material possessions will fail us in life. All of these things that we, we, we tend to go to, to comfort ourselves, they will fail us in life because those things can't truly meet the deep needs of our heart. But God's love, get this, God's love is unfailing. His love will never fail us. But I have to say, it's not easy to trust God. And so, what the enemy of our souls, remember, the Bible says that we do have an enemy. He comes to kill and steal and destroy, and he prowls around. And the thing that the enemy wants us to do is to not believe God. He wants us to not have faith in God. He wants us to believe that this is all just made up, that there's other ways, that no one really knows the truth. But the truth is, 
Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is that he does love us with an unfailing love, with an everlasting love. The truth is that he will provide and meet our needs if we trust him, if we wait on him. The truth is that his love is perfect. And if we hold on to that truth, if we believe, if we are patient and we taste and see that the Lord is good, we will realize that he is trustworthy. Well, Ray, come on. How can you give me some examples of that? I will give you some examples. Think about Joseph. Joseph had a relationship with God. Joseph's very own brothers betray him and throw him in a pit. God, I thought you loved me. I thought, you know, you were going to raise me up to be this leader over my family. Why is this happening to me? God brings him to Egypt. Then he's in Potiphar's house. God shows him favor. Then he's betrayed by this woman who lies on him. And he's thrown in jail. I mean, come on, give the guy a break. He's thrown in jail. He has to serve time for something he didn't even commit. God, where are you? His faith was tested. Then he helps these guys out, tells them what their dreams mean, and ask them, please, just remember me, mention me. And not a week, not a month, like two years pass that he's still in jail. And he's still trusting God. Where was God? I mean, can you imagine how the enemy must have been pounding him in his mind? This God you believe isn't real. These dreams you had aren't real. And then we know the full story, don't we? That God, in his unfailing love, Use Joseph to save a whole nation of people. What is it that you are waiting on God for? The thing that you've asked God, Lord, I'm tired of this. How long will it be before you meet this need or heal this hurt? Are you really there, God? Do you really hear the cry of my heart? And God is saying to you today, I love you with a perfect love. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust me. I have something good planned for you. And there are many other stories throughout Scripture where God's people were tested. And those that trusted in the Lord, God displayed his love for them in such a powerful way. I think about Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't it beautiful to know that our God, our Jesus, he can empathize with feeling in the pain of our experience that God may not be there for us? He can empathize. He understands what that feels like. But it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame because he knew that you would be sitting here today because he knew that these kids in New York City We'll get to hear about God's amazing love. God has not forgotten you. God's technology is so way advanced. We don't need a phone. We don't need a Facebook account, a Snap account. God's technology is so incredible that we just speak and it, it's there. He has, he has the request. And he mobilizes what we can't see in the spiritual for our good. 
And he will come through. He is trustworthy. And so today, as we enter this week, I want to encourage you to to meditate on God's love for you. You know, the scripture that says, perfect love drives out fear, that's a verse that's been hard to understand for me for many years because I, I just don't, sometimes I've asked myself, well, if God's love is perfect, why do I have fear? <laughs> why isn't it just like automatic? Why, if God loves me so much, do I go through these very scary experiences? Why do I have to deal with uncertainty? Why, why do I have to be uncomfortable? And sometimes I, I realize that comfort can be an idol to us. We, we think that, you know, we're here on earth and because God is our Father and loves us, that it's His main job description is to just make sure we're comfortable all the time. And, and that's not the way it is because when you look at the Bible, love, love, Love costs. Love is, it endures. It never fails. And that means that we have to go through things. And I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, that as you put your faith in the Lord, and as you endure the trials that you're experiencing, and you trust Him, and you seek Him, and you ask Him to teach you, I I. I, I assure you that he is developing in you his love, a love that's able to take up its cross and follow him. And as you develop this love, you'll become more and more bold and you'll, you'll fear less because you know that God is good and that he can be trusted and that no weapon formed against you or me will prosper. Because love wins. Love wins. Let's pray. Actually, before we pray, let's go, Clay. You ready? Stand up, please. Those of you that were part of my Sunday school experience, come on, stand up. We're going to do the stand chant because we're raising up warriors. We're unleashing mighty warriors to go out into the world to communicate God's love. We'll do that afterwards. All right, guys, you ready? You ready to do this? I'm going I'm to say it, you'll echo it. Let's take it to them. Let's do this thing. The Lord is God. Whom shall I fear? Nobody here. So let's take it to them. Let's do this thing. Louder. Let's take it to him. Let's do this thing. The Lord is God. Whom shall I fear? Nobody here. So let's take it to him. Let's do this thing. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you that your love is perfect. It is fierce. We thank you that your love covers over a multitude of sins. We thank you that your love is unconditional, that you loved us first. It wasn't dependent on our lives. It wasn't dependent on our look. It wasn't depend, dependent on anything we, we did. You just loved us. 
because you are love, because your love is unconditional, it's perfect, it's unselfish, it's loyal, it's benevolent. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today as we start this week out that our hearts would be filled with the truth that you love us with a perfect love and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. That you, God, will equip us with the armor, with the tools, with everything we need to triumph over the enemy. Because you promise us that you came to give us an abundant life. May we this week experience that life, Lord. The life of God dwelling in us. Be glorified. Encourage those that are hurting, Lord, with secret hurts that no one knows about or very little know about. Bring your healing, Lord. I, I pray for faith to grow in those secret places and a sweet intimacy between you and them to be nurtured. Lord, I pray for this church, for our men. You would strengthen this church, strengthen our men, strengthen our women. Continue to use this church to be a beacon of light in a dark world and to communicate your perfect love to a lost and hurting generation. That the name of Jesus may be lifted high. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Arise.